Hello and welcome to this episode of the Basis Podcast, Agronomy Matters. My name's Greg Hopkinson, Head of Business Development at Basis. We've been overwhelmed with how many listeners we keep getting for each episode, and we've now had over 6,000 people listen to the podcast in total. I'd just like to thank everyone who listens for supporting the podcast, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode in the future. At Basis, we like to reward excellence and recognise the achievements of all the candidates who successfully complete Basis qualifications. And as part of this, we present four awards each year. These are the Barry Orme Shield for the highest performing candidate in the Certificate in Crop Protection exams, the Brian Chambers Award for the candidate who achieves the highest overall mark in the FACTS exam, We also recognise the work and dedication that goes into producing the project, which is part of the assessment for the Certificate in Crop Protection exam, with the Paul Singleton Award. And finally, we also have the Louise Labuschagne Award for the best overall student for the small number of exams that we hold each year in Kenya. In addition to this, we also provide a prize to the farmer or farm manager who achieves the highest mark in the Certificate in Crop Protection exam each year. And this prize is normally an invitation to the prestigious Oxford Farming Conference. However, this was complicated this year due to the cancellation of the event during the COVID-19 pandemic. We are also pleased to announce we have a new award that will be presented for the first time in 2021. This is the Basis Trainee Member of the Year Award and will be awarded to the member of the Basis Trainee Membership Scheme who demonstrates the greatest commitment to training and continuing professional development. In this episode, we will be talking to three guests who have all been presented with BASIS Awards over the last few years. They're going to tell us a bit more about the award and how it has helped them develop their careers. So let's meet our first guest. So our first guest on this episode of Agronomy Matters is Beth DeShane, Senior Consultant on Agriculture and the Environment at Bidwell's. Beth received the Barry Orm Shield in 2020, which is awarded to the most outstanding candidate to complete the Basis Certificate in Crop Protection exam every year. So Beth's going to tell us a bit more about how she achieved this award and then how her career has developed over, over the last couple of years. So I just want to say thanks for joining us, Beth, and welcome to the Agronomy Matters podcast. Thank you for having me, Greg. So firstly, we'll talk a bit about what your current job role is. Like I say, you work at Bidwells as a as a consultant, which is a slightly different job role to probably the majority of our professional register members. Can you just explain what what that involves on a day-to-day basis? Uh, Yes, so I am an agricultural consultant. And so I spend all my time really advising our clients, farmers and landowners on all aspects of their farming businesses. So this can be anything from strategic overviews, um, whether they should be in a partnership, how they should be running, should they be doing arable operations, should they have livestock, should they go into countryside stewardship, so it's sort of that big picture stuff. Um, but also do a lot of day-to-day management as well, so I'd probably say 80% of my time I spend managing contract farming agreements. So um, my client will be a farmer who's not farming in their own right for one reason or another, um, and they have a contractor who's farming that for them. And then I'm the go-between, really, uh, making sure that everyone's happy and we've got um, everything being followed, which includes things from budgets, cash flows, um, profit reporting, to some uh, conversations on rotations, what the farm should be growing, um, how they should be farming it. So my role really is to make sure 
that our client is getting their farm is being and their asset is being managed as best they could be really. So like I said at the, at the start, kind of a lot of people do the certificate in crop protection course, uh, uh, agronomists or, or farm managers directly, and you come at it from a slightly different perspective. So why did you decide to do this qualification and, and how has it helped you in your current job role? I'd say there's probably three reasons why I decided to do it. One of them from a selfish point of view, um, that I've just felt that having that background and that knowledge and that sort of label that I'm basis qualified would help with some of the conversations I have. I think sometimes being a young female in the agricultural industry can be a little bit difficult. Um, and I thought having that backing and proving myself slightly before I've even spoken to someone would help my credibility as a consultant. Um, part of it is personal preference. I've always been interested in the arable industry and agronomy. My placement year from university was actually with Syngenta doing field trials and commercial um, work for them during the winter months, which I which was my first sort of introduction to agronomy. Um, and that was one part. At one point, I thought I was going to go down the agronomy route rather than consultancy, um, but felt sort of fell in the consultancy role in the end. Um, and thirdly, and really, is that technical knowledge and having that understanding behind me. My role is to make sure that our cars and landowners are getting the best out of their farming businesses. And I feel that the best way I can do that is by understanding how it's practically happening on the ground, the importance of the soils, their rotations, how the crops are being grown, and being able to add that value into these relationships is, I think, was more it sort of pays for my involvement in that farm really and it's great to be able to bridge that gap um, and be able to communicate with the farmers landowners and sort of a little bit of a translator really between the, our farming talk to some of our non-farming clients um but being able to understand it and, and process it and add value that way really so that's the main reason it's great to hear that you got so much out of it and like I say, there's a lot of technical knowledge that you have to go through with a certificate in crop protection. So how did you find the training um, for the course? It was hard work, <laughs> but it was really enjoyable. And I found actually the whole experience was really good. There were days that I thought I wasn't going to pass this. And I thought I was completely out of my depth from not being an agronomist and not walking fields every day. But actually, I really enjoyed learning something new, going into things a bit more detail. Um, I did find that actually some of the things that I picked up in my placement year, although that was six years ago, <laughs> was coming back to me because you just sort of had little triggers that remind you of things you picked up in the past. Um, and our training group was amazing. We all supported each other and formed quite a strong friendship. And we do run into each other and we still have a group chat now that we chat on ever so often, um, helping each other and supporting each other. So it was a really good opportunity to expand my knowledge. Um, we are arable farmers, so I've been involved in our arable farming business ever since I could walk. <laughs> but my knowledge on that area was quite limited. And with basis, obviously, we have to do all crops. <laughs> it's not just not just wheat and barley. There's everything else as well. So it was really great to sort of expand that knowledge base. Um, and meet and meet new, lots of people and get their advice and help as well. The amount of pe different people on our course, we had agronomists, we had um, industry reps, um, farm managers. So it was really nice to make that network of people as well. So there's a lot more to it than just getting the technical knowledge, really. 
I completely agree. And I and it was exactly the same when I did my um, certificate in crop protection. The kind of support from the group and the network you build from that, you kind of um, still talk to them to this day when we can, kind of at events and things. And it is a, it's actually a really important part of um, part of the course. And it's a shame it's all online at the minute. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it is. Um, hopefully, that that group dynamic is still still being maintained. So. Obviously, one important part of the course is you have to do a project for, for anyone who, who doesn't know. And um, it's a really important part. It's, it's assessed and it's also a way to kind of develop your learning. Can you say what you did for your project and did you get any interesting results from it? Um, yes. So my project was about the use of cultural control methods as part of sustainable black grass control strategy. And um, the reason why I chose that topic was being primarily an East Anglian consultant and being uh, Suffolk-based arable farmers. I am slap bang in the middle of a quite an, in, what has always historically been a very intensive, high input, high output type um, arable farming area. And we all know that the issues we've had with um, legislation and resistance has me meant the chemicals we have available for black grass is significantly reducing. Um, and it's not a new subject. A lot of farms are already doing lots of cultural control methods in their everyday management decisions. But what I wanted to look at was the uptake of those cultural control methods and how they differ between farmers and what those barriers are. Um, so my project was case study based, um, comparing a traditional high input, high output conventional farmer with a um, extensive organic mixed farmer and comparing their strategies, their views on controlling black grass. And then that was backed up with a farmer questionnaire. And it was really interesting actually to find that although the two far case study farms have completely opposite systems, they, they have comparable visions and importance of how black grass impacts their farms. So both farms were quite local to each other and both farms have significant black grass issues. And um, so it's quite comparable from that way. But it was quite clear how because the organic farmer doesn't have that chemical toolbox at the back to rely on they do have to do significant more investments and have slightly different methods of controlling the weed compared to a conventional farmer um, and it was having the backup from the farmer questionnaire as well it wasn't the idea of the project was not to say oh, everyone needs to use some cultural control methods because everyone's doing that already. But it was more working out which ones are working, which ones aren't and what those barriers are, which turned out really to be the financial investment side of things. I think it's safe to say that the majority of farmers in England are using delayed drilling and the rotations and varietal resistance to help in those fights. But perhaps the slightly more strategic, bigger changes, such as introducing livestock to an arable farm to graze, um, cover crops and things, using cover crops, using mechanical weeding, weed surfers, slightly more higher investment changes are things that aren't happening as much, um, which has all come down to financial investment and economics, really. But it's something that is going is coming more and more paramount and something that's going to change. And I think that's where the UK policy is starting to drive us a bit anyway, with some more grant funding that's coming available, which I think will help on that front. Um, so it was it was really just trying to understand I mean how we can as going back to my day job as a consultant how I can use that knowledge 
to help me encourage our farmers and landowners to maybe adapt slightly more cultural methods and then still use the chemicals there in the background because we will have them, they are there, but we know we can't rely on them as much as we used to, but it is such a huge yield influencing weed, an issue for farmers that it's something that we need to act on. That's really good, and it and it shows how you can make the project quite specific to your job role, and then and make it work for you, which is which is great. And the final thing I wanted to talk about, specific to the certificate in crop protection, was some top tips for anyone listening who hasn't completed the the qualification but is thinking of doing it in the next couple of years. What would be your top tips? My number one top tip would be to find if you're not already crop walking, find a friendly agronomist that will take you out with them. I found that the most helpful and useful thing of the whole scheme. Um, I was lucky that I had my dad, so I did have a few days out in the spray with my dad, seeing, um, just chatting away, thing, looking at the recommendations, looking at labels. I remember using a bit of revision and get, trying to get uh, name the actives in what we were going out spraying and timings, that sort of thing. But actually, I had two friends, one from um, when I worked at St. Gentle on Placement, who took me out for a few days, and another friend that I've known for years, who's also an agronomist, who took me out for a few days. And actually, it's just you don't, for me, I could learn as much as I wanted in the classroom, even with our practical team uh, walks. But actually, a one on one with an agronomist walking across a field, chatting away, you don't realize how much that knowledge you then bring up and chat about. Um, and that's actually how your exam format is in some places. So it was really useful to get that across. Um, so that would be my number one tip is try and get out for walking as much as possible. And it's a good fun day out normally, especially if it's a nice sunny day. Yeah, it is, especially in, yeah, especially in the spring. So uh, that's great. And obviously it must have worked well for you because you, you won the Barry Home Shield. And as part of that, you, you actually get invited to sit on one of the committees that we have at Basis that looks at exams and training. Um, how have you found that experience this year? I've really enjoyed it. It's been a huge eye-opener to what Basis does. I think there's um, a lot of... I knew who Basis was, I knew I've done the course, but I didn't realise how much more Basis do behind the scenes. And especially this year as well, with the pandemic and everything that's happened, the events and training committee have had to make so many changes and adaptions to keep everything running smoothly. It's been really interesting sitting on the committees and hearing about how things are changing, how we've gone online, and how that's been working out. Um, and it's it's great actually to learn more about basis what you do and also how I can keep going forward and potentially maybe working towards a diploma one day <laughs> so that's a, a good link I was about to ask this actually so have you got any plans to do any further basis qualifications in the future yes I have um, I just completed beta conservation management in December which is another course that I thought would be really useful with me in my career with the way agriculture policy is going at the moment um, with elms all falling towards a more environmental conservation direction I felt it would be really useful to have that technical knowledge and backing behind me um, I'd also quite like to do facts and potentially work my way up to the diploma I feel like I've started now <laughs> so um, it'd be nice the next few years if I, if I can eventually get there be something else to have that's great and, and and you obviously made a very good start winning the Barry Orm Shield so has actually winning that award helped you progress your career in any way or? It has. Um, I feel like having that recognition more than anything has made me feel more confident in my own abilities. And 
that has helped in my day-to-day life as well as work actually and feeling that actually maybe I can do this and I'm not completely silly (laughs) Um, and I have got that backing which has really helped me be able to have more confident conversations which I think a lot of the feedback I've had especially from work before is you just need to be a bit more confident and tell yourself a bit more which I think in our role there is an element of selling yourself because there's a lot of competition to why our clients should choose you as your um, agriculture advisor rather than a competitor so I think that's helped me feel a bit more brave I'd say to go out and do it um, and also I think work of were really pleased because they I was very fortunate enough that they helped me put me through my basis qualification um, and it was really great for them to see that their investment in me has paid off as well. Definitely having confidence, I think, is something a lot of our uh, people listening and members and agronomists will, will say it's, it's good to know it, but you've got to kind of be able to demonstrate that to your customers as well. So that is really important. So my final question is, I was really interested to get your perspective on this because you get to see kind of a wide range of farming businesses. But what do you see as being the major challenges for UK agriculture over the next five or 10 years? Quite a few. <laughs> Um, no, I think generally the biggest challenge is going to be the loss of direct subsidies. And as much as a lot of farmers, I think, are, are pleased that they're going to a certain way. I think there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of people who aren't, but I think there's also a lot of people out there that can see the opportunity without having direct subsidies. But the financial impact that's going to have on businesses is going to be huge. There are a lot of businesses in the UK, especially our businesses in the UK at the moment, that aren't really making a profit without the subsidy. Um, So this is gonna cause a lot of restructuring within the industry. There'll be a lot of potential collaborations, um, system changes. I wonder whether we go more towards a mixed farming approach. Um, I think there could be, that's gonna be the biggest challenge. There'll be a lot of people who potentially don't want to make the change as well. Um, I think a lot of people used to say it's generational, but actually the people that we've spoken to, there are some sort of current generation farmers that are more up for changing things than the next generation are. So I don't think that's a factor. Um, More of someone's attitudes towards the industry and where things are going. It's very clear from policy that the environment and conservation is going to be key. There's potentially going to be a lot of land put into other uses I think um, we're already seeing that through countryside stewardship and elms um, some of elms looks at well landscape recovery local recovery schemes are already been confirmed which is looking at joining lands together and sort of going back to not rewilding but more conservation agriculture that type of thing where this is all great and this is what socially everyone wants it will be difficult to work out how current businesses are still going going to have a successful operating business while having to meet all those requirements too and it's great to get your perspective on that um like you say looking at businesses like like you do in your in your job role kind of you get to kind of um see all the challenges that that people might face over the years but i hope the message of kind of opportunity um is getting through to people because i i agree i think there's a lot of opportunity out there as well as that comes alongside the the challenges so So thanks for joining us today, Beth. That's been really interesting. And, and uh, also thanks for all the help you've provided with BASIS as part of the ENT committee um, this year as well. It's been a pleasure. 
That's great. Thank you for having me. It's been really good fun. So our second guest on this episode of Agronomy Matters is Jack Buckingham, Farm Business Advisor at Creedy Associates. So Jack was the first recipient of the Brian Chambers Award in 2018, which is given to the highest achieving candidate in the FACTS exam. So Jack's going to tell us a bit more about how he achieved this award and how it's helped develop his career. So thanks for joining us, Jack, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So like I said, Jack, you took the FACTS exam in, in 2018. And I could just explain what do you do as your current job role and, and how's the FACTS certificate helped you? Um, so my current job role um, is actually quite varied, um, includes uh, assisting farmers with cross compliance, such as MBZs, uh, grant schemes, um, so countryside stewardship, um, benchmarking and budgeting for businesses, um, but also grass and management, um, advice and agronomy. Um, I'm also involved with a project um, with Wessex Water working with farmers in North Wiltshire um, to basically improve water quality in the area. Uh, the facts qualification um, has helped me in my role uh, by developing my understanding of nutrient management planning. Um, it's not something I did a great deal of beforehand, uh, but as a company, we're certainly doing a lot more of it now. Um, we've always encouraged farmers uh, to sort of view manure and slurries as, as, as more of a resource um, as opposed to a waste, waste product. Um, and I think that is becoming more and more important, um, especially with things like the new... Um, farming rules for water. Uh, it's also helped when advising on different types of fertilizer available. Um, that's becoming more important. Um, and also how best to use them, um, including you know, alternative fertilizers, perhaps uh, sludge and digestate and, and other things that farms are starting to perhaps look at a bit more um, and just looking into the economics of it um, and, and which might be best um, for their, you know, their certain circumstances. So you work mainly in the southwest, and, and a lot of people see the farming landscape uh, down there dominated by kind of mixed farms and dairy farms and, and things like that. So, so obviously the facts exam might be um, normally linked to the kind of the arable sector, but how <laughs> does the facts qualification help you when you're advising specifically on livestock farms? Uh, yes, certainly. I think it, it definitely comes into play with livestock farms, um, particularly because making better use of, of grassland um, and homegrown forages is probably one of the biggest opportunities on, on pretty much nearly, well, yeah, nearly every ruminant livestock farm um, that we deal with. Um, and, and nutrient planning is a, is a huge part of that. Um, there is also um, a lot of farms that are, that are mixed, so they are growing, you know, arable crops as well, um, all, all part of the system. Um, so it does come into play um, in that respect um, and it's also a lot of touched on earlier about um, making sort of better use of nutrients that are already on the farm um, in terms of you know planning manure and slurry applications um, and things like that and also a lot of the farms uh, that we'd be working with um, are also in an MVZ um, and and often quite highly stocked um, you know spreading a large amount of, of, of manure and fertilizer um, so yeah this this side of the facts training is, has been put into practice quite a lot. That's good. And, and obviously the training went well because um, achieving the Brian James Award is it's a great achievement. Has receiving the award helped you progress your career in any way? Uh, yes, it has. Um, shortly after becoming facts qualified, 
um, and receiving the award, um, I was promoted, which was nice, um, from trainee um, farm business advisor. Um, so yeah, that, that was a real positive. Um, I'm still working with the same um, company, um, but have taken on a bit more responsibility um, in the last couple of years. Um, a large number of MVZ clients, for example, um, and also doing a lot more in terms of nutrient management planning um, for farmers, um, like I said earlier, with the new farming rules for water, um, that, that's becoming a bit, um, yeah, a bit more important on a lot of the farms we deal with. That's good. And obviously to achieve the award, to pass the facts exam in general, but especially to achieve the Brian Chambers Award, it must have took a lot of hard work during the training. So how was your overall training experience during the facts course? It was really good. I, I did really enjoy it. Um, it was quite it was quite full on, um, a lot a lot more information and um, than I than I first thought really. Um, it it kind of re reminded me of being you know back at university with the um, with the PowerPoint presentations and and taking all the notes and things like that. Um, but our trainer uh, Jim Lewis he was really good. He he was brilliant um, and yeah really helpful, um, really helpful guy. Um, there were also I think it was six of us um, on on the training course at the time um which was sort of a good a good number really um and they were they were a good bunch of people um you know like-minded people um and we got on well um and and sort of did revision together and things like that um so yeah it was, it was a really good experience yeah really yeah really good i really enjoyed it that's interesting the the first guest we had on the talking about the certificate and crop protection said the same about the group diet group dynamic and kind of working together which okay. is uh, it's good to see that it's, that happens on all kind of basis courses definitely yeah definitely and you spoke earlier about how varied your job role is have you got any plans to do any other basis qualifications in the future uh yeah i'd certainly like to do uh the crop protection course um go a little bit more sort of down the agronomy the agronomy route um also several colleagues um and, and co-workers have also said about the I think it's a soil and water course, um, which which Jim Lewis did actually talk about the time when we were doing the facts course, um, suggesting it was. I think he was. I think he was probably teaching it. You know, a similar sort of time that that, that I was sitting my facts course, um, and did make a few references to it, and it, and it sounded good. Um, so it is something I'd like to do. Um, yeah, cer certainly the soil and water, and like I say, probably the crop protection. That's great to hear, and. Um... One other part of some of our awards and, and with the Brian Chambers Award is that you get to sit on the facts committee um, at basis for a year. I just wondered how you found that experience. Uh, it was a really good experience. Um, it's something actually initially uh, when I was aware of the Brian Chambers Award, I didn't actually know that that was that was sort of part of part of winning the award. So it was it was a nice surprise. Uh, the committee. They're a real mix of, of people from across the industry. Um, so really, really good to meet them. Um, and yeah, hopefully I was able to, to contribute as well to their discussions. Um, unfortunately, meetings are often held um, a long way from, from where I'm based um, here in the Southwest, um, which did, did often make it difficult to attend. Um, and unfortunately, I, I think it was the last meeting I was due to attend. Um, that actually coincided with, with sort of the first lockdown for, for COVID and things like that. Um, so unfortunately, I, I didn't attend as many as I was hoping to and would have liked to have attended. Um, but it was, yeah, brilliant experience. Um, and, yeah, and, and again, a nice, really nice group of people. Um, they, were, they were very welcoming, actually. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, interested to hear my opinion of, of things, which was great. 
as you can imagine, uh, traveling to committee meetings hasn't been a problem for the last year or so because, uh, like everything, it's all moved online, which has uh, been a bit more, been a bit easier for people. But um, yeah, like you say, it's great to meet people at these um, committees and kind of having award winners. It gets um, gives us a basis a perspective of what it's like training, kind of um, right at the minute because it's people who've recently done the qualification. So um, yeah, your guys' um, feedback is always really welcome. So it's a it's positive for all of us i think brilliant um, uh, and my final question is i'm asking all our guests today a similar kind of question but i specifically wanted to ask you kind of about the livestock sector and mixed farms and kind of and what challenges do you think um those farmers will kind of face over the next five or ten years uh i think i think one of the big ones um and, and this topic at the moment is the phasing out of the basic payment scheme um, and transitioning to the new environmental land management scheme, so the ELM scheme. Uh, I think it could it could pose some challenges uh, logistically and, and also financially for some businesses um, that, that do um, rely quite heavily on, on basic payment support. Um, I, I don't think this is necessarily a, a bad thing. I think it might be the encouragement um, you know, for, for businesses to actually assess, um, you know, what they do and how they do it, um, basically in order to, you know, improve efficiency um, and, and reduce costs. Um, also, I think uh, consumers are going to be more selective when, when we're talking obviously about, about meat. Um, I think they will be, I think, probably eating less meat overall, um, but just a bit more selective as to um, where it comes from and how it's produced. Um, and I think, you know, sustainability in terms of, you know, climate change and, and, and water and air quality and things like that, I think are going to become just that bit more important to, to people. Um, if they are consuming less meat, they will be more picky about, you know, what meat um, that th they're going to actually buy. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, the future is quite bright. I think there's going to be opportunities. Um, you know, you hear it a lot, but I do think it's worth saying that, you know, the livestock sector in, in, you know, in the UK is, is about the most sustainable in the world, um, you know, producing great products. Um, it's a great place to be livestock farming, you know, in, in a place, especially perhaps our, our end, you know, southwest of the country where, you know, anywhere, anywhere actually in the UK when you, where you can grow a lot of grass, um, you know, I think we can, you know, can stay as world leaders in that respect um and and yeah i think that will become more important in the future definitely well that's great to hear and it's great to end on a positive note so i just want to say thanks again for joining us jack it's been um yeah really interesting thank you very much for having me so our final guest on this episode of agronomy matters is jim stotzka who is the lead on sustainability with frontier agriculture so Jim won the Paul Singleton Project of the Year Award in 2018, and that award is, is given to the individual who receives the highest mark for the project, which is part of the basis certificate in crop protection exam. So Jim's going to talk a bit more about this project and how they achieved such a, an outstanding mark. So um, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So firstly, you've got quite an interesting job role, not something that everyone on our uh, membership does. So can you just tell us a bit more about what's involved in that job role and kind of um, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So lead on sustainable crop production, um, that's, that's, that's my title and that's what I do. So 
and we basically look at um, different aspects that are pertaining to producing crops, but with a long-term view, um, uh, you know, not just the environment and the resources that we work with, but also food production and, and farm product profitability. So it, it's, it's all about farm systems, as it were. So we look at, um, you know, crop production in itself, so the crop growth cycle, and that includes crop protection, and nutrient inputs, um, but also new technologies like biostimulants, um, variety choices, etc. And then we look at soil health and management as the foundation of that carbon storage, the environment, environmental management, all of those aspects that are around um, the sustainability umbrella really. That sounds really interesting and, and something we're kind of focusing on more and more into is th the term sustainable just keeps getting used more and more, doesn't it? And it's interesting, you, you chose to do the certificate in crop protection exam, which probably isn't essential for your role, um, not like an, an agronomist, but um, can you just explain why did you decide to do the qualification and, and how has it kind of helped you develop your career? So I actually did this um, in my previous job. Um, and um, when I was there, I was developing a microbial biostimulant um, that was going to go into arable farming. Um, and so therefore it made a lot of sense for me to understand more about sort of conventional input system, if that makes sense. And um, also how the farming calendar is shaped around those. Uh, so I was asked to join the, the technical team at Frontier not long after that in order to support the agronomists there um, and also help to develop a commercial strategy around how we use biostimulants and, and soil health. But it's, it's really crucial for me to actually have a good understanding of how agronomists work um, in order to, to talk with them um, around the, the inputs that, that I work with, the biostimulant inputs, and, and why to um, use them. And it also helps me strategically when we're planning biostimulant strategies around those. Um, I have to say also I had fairly limited on-farm experience when I first went into doing the, the certificate. Um, and studying for the course really, really helped me to, to gain that insight and have a much better understanding of, of how an agronomist's job actually works and what they need to know on farm and how they work on farm. That's great. And like I said at the start, the reason we've got you on the podcast today is because you did so well when you did your project for the um, certificate in crop protection exam. So can you tell us a bit more about the project and what you actually found out while you were doing your research for it? Yeah, so as you as you can imagine, a slightly different angle and, and how I looked at things there, looking at um, more kind of integrated crop protection, I guess. Um, so I was looking at how we could fit microbial biostimulants into crop protection programs. And in particular, um, I wanted to look at um, soil health as, as part of that as well. Um, and so I looked at black grass as, as my um, main project focus. Um, and then how a beneficial fungus, that's mycorrhizal fungus, and also beneficial bacteria could be worked into um, a, a management program on black grass. <clears throat> so I split that into two different um, questions, really uh, research questions. And the first was, what kind of impact do mycorrhizal fungi have on black grass itself? And what impact do they have on cover crops when we're using them to manage black grass? And what I found was that the fungus didn't have any effect on black grass, which was actually positive because we want to build up um, the fungus naturally in, in soils. It did have a significant effect on black oats, though, which was the, the cover crop species that I chose. So, um, you know, the hypothesis then is, can we use it to, to out compete black grass with, with cover crops, for example? 
the other part of the project was looking at plant growth promoting rhizobacteria, which are a type of beneficial bacteria that we can use in crop production. And what I wanted to see there was whether we could increase and speed up germination of black grass in order to get a better stale seedbed. <clears throat> so kind of flipping it upside down as it were. Um, and I did indeed see that we got a significant effect on black grass um, germination on speed and a number of seeds germinated with some of the bacteria that I used. Not all of them, but some of them. So I felt that there was some possible potential in that. That is absolutely fascinating. And like you say, coming at it from that different angle, kind of um, stimulating the growth of black grass kind of to help us get help us control it is I think I think that's why kind of people were so impressed with your project when it was marked. And um, yeah, looking at it in a different coming at it with a different perspective just shows how you can kind of have a different thought process, which is really interesting. So so did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy doing the research in the project? Yeah, I really did. And actually that kind of for example, that flipping it upside down process, the creativity of it, I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, I really enjoyed working uh, with agronomists, learning new things um, as I was doing it. Um, it really allowed me to make a connection between the work that I was doing at the time um, and arable crop management. Um, and yeah, just think outside the box and, and, and look at different aspects of crop production in a, in a different way. So definitely enjoyed it. So there'll be some people listening to this who haven't done the certificate in crop protection course yet and they might be thinking of doing it and obviously to to pass the course they've got to do a, a project what tips would you have for them for um, how to create an outstanding project so for me there's three different things that come to mind on that so the, the first thing i would think is to capitalize on your strength so if you already do something that you're a bit of an expert in and it doesn't matter what that is um, I would look towards that. And I would also look towards something that makes you feel really enthusiastic because a good research project takes a lot of tenacity in my experience. And so, you know, you really have to stay on the ball and the more enthusiastic you are about it, the better it is because you start digging into new areas. Um, the next thing is to be organized. So for any good, any good research, you have to, you have to be really, really good um, at organizing your data at having a good plan in place, having a protocol in place. So that I think really helps to keep track of assessments and timings and the data that you get and then, and then organize it in a good way. And the third thing for me is to really use it as an opportunity to network. Um, I mean, I, I did um, when, when I was doing mine um, and it's something I carried over afterwards as well. Um, people really love to talk about their work. So it's very likely that whatever you're doing, you're gonna find somebody who, who has done something around it and to connect with them and uh, learn more from them, I think is, is going to be really useful and potentially will also help you in your career going forward. Like you just said, kind of doing a project and doing research requires quite a lot of different skills and, and developing techniques. Have you used any of those skills um, in your current job role? Yeah, I, I do all the time. So, um, I mean, the, the ability to think laterally, for, for, for one thing, um, is definitely something I have to use every day when I'm thinking about how what I do fits with what we do in a you know, more traditional crop protection um, company, as it were. Um, the other thing is, uh, again, around the um, being organized and, and running, um, running projects and, and running trials. So I still am very much involved with the technical team. Um, and plan trials all the time and then, and then work with the data. 
but um, also the connections that I made, like I said, through the through the project were really useful and are something that I've, I've carried with me. So talking about kind of making connections and developing that network, um, at Basis, we really like to award kind of excellence and that's why we have all the, the awards that we um, present each year. And obviously achieving the Paul Singleton Award is a real achievement. Has this helped you in any way? Oh, I would, I would say so, yes. I mean, because I, I got approached by Frontier not that long after I had finished um, the, the certificate um, and it was definitely noted on my CV that I had, um, I had won the award. Um, but I think it also helped me with that exposure from the, from the PR that was associated with the award. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say so. I'm, I'm glad we've tried, we've helped in some way. And like I say, it's all about kind of, we, we love to kind of, I mean, it's one of our favorite times of the year is when we get to do the awards and especially when we get to do it in person, because yeah, it's a great way to promote kind of like what people have achieved. And the final question I've got is that I've asked a similar question to all our, our guests today. And it's been great this episode because we've had kind of three different people with all quite different job roles. So I want to get everyone's perspective on what they think the kind of challenges are. And obviously you work specifically in sustainability. What do you think UK agriculture has got to do over the next kind of five to 10 years towards being a more sustainable industry? Golly, I think we have a complete paradigm shift ahead of us, if I'm honest. Um, I think that growers and advisors and also consumers will need to completely rethink how we produce food and how we pay for it, because it's at that end as well. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, we have to pay more for more sustainably farmed food um, if, if we really want to support that. Uh, I think that the changes in the subsidy structures are likely to drive this to some degree, um, how people rethink where they sit in a wider sort of ecosystem context rather than just one field of wheat that they're looking after. Um, I think there will be a, a much more of a focus on emissions, on carbon offsetting, um, and also a greater focus on soil health and biodiversity. And it's really that kind of public, public uh, money for public goods philosophy um, that will drive that. Um, in, in my opinion. So I think that we have quite a steep learning curve ahead of us of how to look after these environments that we that we work with more, more closely and more successfully. Um, but, you know, we, we do at the end of the day need to safeguard that and safeguard the resources that we have for the long term. That's really interesting perspective and, and you make it sound very exciting um, as well as challenging. So that's um, really positive. So I just want to say uh, thanks again for joining us today, Jim. It's been really interesting and, and uh, your project sounded so um, fascinating. So um, yeah, thanks for joining us. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. I'd like to say thanks to all of our guests who have spoken to us today on this episode of Agronomy Matters. It's been great to hear from some of our past and current award holders. And if you would like any further information about these awards or the courses that we run, then please go over to the BASIS website and have a look through our prospectus, which can be found in the training section. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, we have recently launched the Trainee Membership Scheme, which is aimed at supporting new entrants into the crop production and agronomy industry. If you would like further information about this new scheme, then please follow the link to our website, which can be found in the show notes for this episode. You can also catch up on a webinar we recently hosted, which looks at how you develop a successful career in the crop production industry. And that can be found on the BASIS YouTube channel. For our professional register members, you can claim one CPD point for listening to this episode by logging into your members area on the BASIS website, 
selecting submit CPD points, and then enter basis podcast awards into the publication title and reference number boxes. A link to access the login page to your members area can also be found in the show notes. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again next time on Agronomy Matters.